want to clear my. Th- oh. now, now we're recording. See, now, start it all over again. I don't know if we can. Start it all over again. I don't know if we can. I think we start I think it all is, over again. This is how po- episode one hundred and one begins. Welcome everybody. I had a fun intro, but instead, Mike wanted to talk about how he got to clear his throat. Um, this is, it feels like a new beginning because we we did a hundred episodes and now this is episode <laughs> one hundred and one. So welcome to bantering the blue shirts. It is July twenty fifth, a late eight twenty three p.m. for the first time since we've moved to the recording. On uh, TriCaster, we have multiple guests. We'll see how this goes. My name is Joe Fortunato. I am your host, joined as always by my co-host Michael Murphy, who you heard in the beginning. Mike, you what was say your something? intro thing? I want to know what your intro idea. It, was. it had a, it was like a joke about how this was the first show, but now it's actually the hundred and first. That's terrible. Well, it, we didn't do it Started because we ruined over everything. Again. Tom, we're joined Started by Tom as well. Tom, how's it going, Joe? Mike, Pat, and. Guest two L, which is actually Pat. Pat, how yeah, are you? Yeah, my name's my name's Pat. I'm doing good. I'm guest two L because is, I didn't add a name to the little. Ch- I guess none of you really know or care. No, well, you know the funny thing that the people don't really understand is just that Mike normally puts heinous names for his his name, <laughs> um, and today he just kept it with Mike because he wanted to be professional in front of you guys. Wow. So there, there's like a weird timing thing going on here in that. Michael and I did our podcast last week, and the minute we released it, the Rangers signed Jimmy VC, and that was really weird because then we released the podcast after the news about Jimmy VC's contract was released, and everybody wanted to know why we weren't talking about it. I so mean, it we like idiots, Joe. Yeah, we I mean, didn't talk like about it because idiots. we didn't know that it happened because we're not. Mind readers. Um, anywho, the Rangers signed Jimmy VC to a two-year bridge deal, which I think everybody was expecting, for $2.275 million cap hit. Uh, Pat, you're the, the new guest. I'm going to let you kick this one off. What are your thoughts on Mr. VC and his contract? So, um, I like Jimmy VC. I do not like Jimmy VC as your top-line winger, but I like him very much as a depth guy, and I think that's a great contract for a depth guy. He's capable of, you know, maybe a little bit more than what we've seen, so that's pretty cool. Um, 33 goals, 22 assists, and 159 games. And that's pretty good for, what, two and three quarters? I like that. I like it. He's young enough that the bridge deal would be something that you'd want to avoid if he was actually, like... I guess a, a really quality player, um, but in the case of Jimmy VC, he is what he is, right? He's a 17 to 25, maybe on his best at year goal scorer, and I don't even think he's that. Uh, everybody talks about how, oh, Jimmy VC is only going to get better, but he's 25. He's not, I don't know where the he's expectation is yeah. he's now that he's going to get that better, but Mike and I, and Mike, I'll let you, I'll let you go after this. Mike and I were kind of panicked, little panic, panic level kind of high, uh, in terms of what kind of a contract VC was going to get. And I'm with you, Pat. This is a nice little deal for a depth player. Guys like Jimmy VC are they're like the Ruslan Fedotenkos of the world. Go off and score seven or eight or maybe twelve playoff goals in a series. My favorite and, uh, depth guy. Yeah, you, you know, you, they're good to have. He's just not more than a, a third line guy, but. Mike, I'm assuming you're going to agree with us, and then Tom, you can you can follow Mike up. Well, yeah, you and I talked last week about... We talk a lot. Yeah, we do. We do talk. We say a lot of words back and forth, but we talked about how really, you know, whatever guys they sign here in the next two years, so long as they're kind of two-year deals, it doesn't matter, and that's what VC is. 
Um, you know, is he a guy you're going to build around? And, you know, he's, is he a part of the rebuild? Not really. He's just going to kind of be here for that. And, you know, when he, when this deal expires, he will be a UFA. Um, that's important to mention. Um, but he'll be 27. So, again, this is not a, not a prospect, not a kid. He has only been in the league two years, but, you know, he, he was not a typical prospect. He was, you know, a college free agent who had just finished his college career. And, you know, he's one of those guys who's not a... Not really, you know, too exciting, but yeah, he's a good, solid third liner for the most part. Thomas, your opinions on Mr. VC, since we haven't let you speak for four minutes and 42 seconds. What I would say about VC is that he's a player that there was some hype surrounding him, mostly because he was the... Uh, the college free agent and people had this recollection of oh the last time the rangers were involved they got kevin hayes um and there were sort of these expectations put into place and then vc sort of comes to the team and he performs as expected based on those that watched him in college as far as the deal I think, you know, two years is fine. They really needed another winger because if you sort of look at it, you have Kreider, Buchnevich, and Zuccarello as three guaranteed players that'll be sort of within the top six. You have Foss that'll probably be in the bottom six. VC's another winger there. And then you have all these question marks, whether it's Ryan Spooner, whether it's uh, Matt Bolesky, and some other players that I think Michael want to uh, talk a little bit about later. So for VC, it's, it's two years. He's a guy that he was in the NCAA. They bring in a coach in Quinn who was in the NCAA. Um, so he, he's sort of used to coaching that type of player. So for me, it, it's two years. When he's done, he's an a unrestricted free agent, and uh, so be it. I, everybody said pretty much, I think, the thought process that came across the fan base. There's very few things that this fan base universally agrees on. And while a lot of people don't necessarily agree with what VC's ceiling is or maybe what he is uh, as a player, there's, I don't think, a lick of bad press about the contract that he signed. So it's good work by Jeff Gordon. It's good work by the Rangers. It's not necessarily unsurprising, but... You could have definitely seen the Rangers making a little bit more of a play for a guy like VC. And uh, listen, I'm of the mind that VC would have gotten back quite a good haul on the trade market. Um, I think there are teams out there who probably think he's more of a top six winger than he actually is in reality. But uh, this bump under Quinn that everybody seems to think is Quinn knows how to work with college players. I just don't see it. And we've talked about this before, Mike, too, but I'm just going to say it again. There are three tiers of NCAA free agents, and the Rangers have had all of them. Matt Gilroy is at the bottom. Undrafted overage guys who have great senior years because they're bigger than everybody else and better than everybody else, and those guys are great, but they normally don't turn into, like, quality NHLers. Obviously, Martin St. Louis is uh, the big exception there with, like, flashing lights. The middle level is Jimmy Vesey, a guy who was drafted in the middle rounds, you know, busted out, had a good year, and becomes a a quality player, solid player in the NHL. And those guys, there's nothing wrong with taking risks on players like that. But And not that Tom was comparing them, but the comparison between VC and Hayes that a lot of people make is inaccurate because Hayes is the top. The first-round pick that goes through the cycle, doesn't want to sign with the team, comes out and becomes a legitimate player in the NHL. Those guys are quite a bit more rare, but... Um, 
the Rangers got him too, so that's wonderful. Although him and Shea have to be re-signed, and I guess we can talk about that unless Mike is going to throw a hissy fit that we're not bringing up his topic, but I don't care. I'm running the show, and I'm going to wild card this. So Brady Shea has arbitration July 31st. Kevin Hayes has it August 2nd. Ryan Spooner has it August 4th. We are in the process of waiting to see what is going to happen. Let's skip over Hayes and Spooner because, quite frankly, Mike and I talked that into the ground the past two weeks. Hayes is coming off a bridge deal. He's going to get a long-term deal. Spooner is going to get a one-year deal or go to arbitration. Fine, but Shea, are we all in agreement that we don't want to see Mr. Shea sign a bridge deal? Tom, I'll let you start this one off. So sort of the interesting situation with with Shea and it's it's an interesting situation because you have these sort of camps of people that look at him as a player and you have the amazing first season that he had and then you obviously have this this second season um, and you'll have people point to the fact that you don't want to sort of commit long term because there are potential drawbacks. Why don't we see Shea play a little bit more before we we know what we have in him? And just out of curiosity to me, I wanted to look at some of his, his stats. And during his rookie season, five on five, his PDO was 102.42. So you can kind of say that he was sort of benefiting a little bit from from luck. He was making the most of the situation he was in. This past season, his PDO was 97.75, which suggests that he was unlucky and it was it was a situation where things weren't going his way. He he wasn't getting uh, the bounces that you'd expect. Um I personally think the Shea situation was um, a fact of the Rangers' defense was a mess this year, and that may sound as an excuse, but it's 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 sort of the state of, state of affairs that that was the case, and we saw that the Rangers trotted out a bunch of different defense pairings, and, and obviously we famously saw that. Um, you know, Shattenkirk and McDonough really did not get a lot of time together, and, and there was sort of like a rotation of things there. And I personally think for a second-year defender, that put him at a bit of a disadvantage. And um, I'll I'll bump the the thread that I, I put together uh, later, but it was sort of looking at all the teams in the league and uh, the amount of defense pairings that um, they sort of average the the league average in terms of defense and the rangers had the 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 most amount of pairs which which said that they weren't letting players stay together and i i think what we learned from shay's rookie year is that he played primarily with adam clendenning and i believe that year they were the fourth most consistent in terms of ice time so if you ranked um, the pairings by the amount of time they spent together they were fourth or fifth and that pairing did well so i i think in shay's case there's more potential risks for the rangers bridging him because if you look at the situation of you have an ncaa coach uh in quinn you've added two assistant coaches uh, you have two of them in terms of Quinn and one of the assistants that their primary focus is defense. There's a situation that Shea can really benefit from that and improve his overall game. And 
sort of launch that into the ability to get paid. If I were to say one final thing about Shea, I think you can sort of look at the extreme of his first season, the extreme of this second season, and sort of say that ultimately he's going to fall somewhere between the middle for the majority of his career. And I think given that information, you you have to sign him to a long-term deal. Yeah, so I I think we're all probably in agreement here about um, we should not bridge deal him. Uh, we saw how that went with Derek Stepan. It went poorly. Uh, I think Tom and Hayes good, and Miller and, and like a million other examples that we could definitely give here. Right, like it can only go poorly, almost. Like Jimmy Vesey is a huge exception where it's actually probably a pretty good idea. Um, So I think we're all kind of in agreement there. I think, like Tom said, a lot of it was dependent on who he's playing with. Um, I know this is like a weird kind of truism that gets thrown around a lot and, you know, how accurate it is, but defensemen allegedly take longer to develop. So he could end up really, really good. I think Rangers fans are kind of in like a couple areas where it's either people who don't want to bridge deal him think that the opposite camp are knocking Shea and that he's like really not that good. People who don't, or people who want to bridge deal him rather think that the opposite camp is like overrating him grossly. I think we all need to just accept that he's not, you know, Colton Pareko, Jacob Truba, Seth Jones level, you know, young foundational defenseman, but he's also not Adam Clendenning. And you can totally extend him for five. I'd even go six years if you can get that term really low. And then, you know, worst case scenario, he's a good trade asset. And that's kind of the end of the story is, you know, if you keep him, great. And if you decide you don't want to keep him, you package him, and he's a cheap, good defenseman, and things work out well. And that's really it. Five years at four point six million. Next topic. That's that we're done. Okay, okay. that's a good even. One. Even if it doesn't work out, Shay has all the tools. Like, if if he doesn't pan out, what is he like a fourth D at this point? That's fine. Y- you know, for a, Rangers, for a guy who Rangers wasn't don't say have anything. any contracts on the books after what is it two years from now? Everyone, it's nothing but cap space, and the, it's not like this contract is going to be something that really hinders the team or slows it down. There's nothing but cap space coming. It's like a rolling every off season. There's another another contract that'll come off the books, another opportunity to restructure things, move things around, and he he can skate. He has good size. You know, there's there's plenty to like, and you know the it, it's it, he is tricky because you know he nearly had 40 points in his rookie year, and then last year you just kind of have to throw out in a way because you know he was terrible. But McDonough was terrible last year, and Tampa felt fine about investing in him because they know that you know at the end of the day he is still Ryan McDonough, and I feel like we have a pretty good idea of who Brady Shea is. It's just. He's just not, you know, like like Pat said, he's not a guy who, he's not a Seth Jones guy or a Pareko guy, but, you know, it, it, the worst case scenario to me is he's a second pair D, and if you wrap up, you know, a second pair D for 
that can skate that you know you can use in all you know all three major situations you know evens shorthanded and on the power play you know 4.5 or 4.6 for a homegrown guy why not i would say the risk potentially and not to compare the two defensemen too much uh rookie season of shea was good rookie season of shane gostisbeer was good his second season there was a slight dip offensively i i think it was seven points uh shea's second year i believe it's a difference of 14 points gostisbeer's third season he shoots up to 65 points now i'm not saying that's the case with uh shea but if you look at that scenario where it's comes in good there's a little slip rebounds in the third season and the benefit for the flyers is that they already had him signed so there wasn't that situation where he could take those 65 points use it as leverage for another monster deal and that's just something you you consider uh with with shea i don't see any reason why the rangers would bridge shea i don't think they're going to i think this conversation is kind of generated from this ideology that existed when glenn sather was behind the helm and there's obviously been a pretty big deviation from that to where we are right now the the i understand the risks about bridging a guy like shea but or not bridging a guy like shea but what i think people need to understand is that if the rangers bridge shea and he puts up that 39-point season next year and maybe the year after. And who's to say that he won't? Because right now, he's the power play quarterback on the second pair, right? Behind Kevin Chattenkirk. You don't have anybody else. He's going to see the boost in the fact that the Rangers' defensive system is probably going to be way more competent. Tony and the Rangers have all- well, yeah, I guess, but there's the debate on whether or not D'Angelo is going to even make the team. We'll see what happens there. Yes, I agree with but you. But he's Tony, a Tony D'Angelo. It might be Tony D'Angelo. It might be Tony D'Angelo and Shea. I don't think. I mean, maybe Pionk gets a look. Sense, I yeah. guess. I, I don't. I, I'm not sure that Pionk is going to be put in that situation. I think Shea is going to be there just because of his experience. He's not being overwhelmed. The Rangers do have prospects in the system that you would expect to fill that role, Hayek being one of them. But I'm just not sure that that's something that's going to happen right away. So, yes, D'Angelo is a good example. But I do think Shea is going to get more of a role under Quinn. He's one of the more trusted defensemen. He's going to get more top or 5v5 minutes. He's going to be a top four defenseman if he's not a number one pair defenseman. If he puts up those types of points, that 39-point season again, the contract jumps from what could be four and a half million to ultimately, you know, five and a half, maybe six million dollars. It depends. And you might think I'm talking crazy, but look at some of these deals that are getting thrown around. The reality of the situation, top to bottom, is if you pay Shea in the fours right now for the next five years, even if Shea proves himself to be a bottom pair, not a bottom pair, but on the bottom level of the the second pair for a defenseman. He's being paid pretty much adequately to what that position would ask for anyway. Yeah, number 4D is the way I was saying it. Exactly that. Like, so, if, even if it all kind of doesn't work out and he, do, he just kind of stays what he is right now, he doesn't develop anymore, it's like, well, he can skate, he can do all these things, he's a you know big body, he's going to get better decision-making pretty much no matter what. It's, it's a perfectly reasonable investment for a number 4D, especially when... All these contracts are coming off the books. It's his contract is not is not a Mark Stahl contract. We're not talking about a guy who's taken up nearly six million in cap space. We're talking about a guy who might take up like four and a half mil, you know, for something like a five year deal. 
and you know he's he's going to be an effective second pair D. Is he going to be a guy like a, a foundational D? Probably not. But you need more than one defensive pair to win in this league. So I'm all for it. Lock him up. We're total. We're totally in agreement, and we're talking about what is ultimately the worst case scenario with Shea is if he doesn't become that second pair defenseman far and away, maybe, maybe second pair is not the best way to put it. If he doesn't become that number three or even maybe number two defenseman, ultimately, especially in this new look NHL, the ability to skate and to have speed is really important on the defensive side of things. And it's one of the things I love about Shea so much is that he can join the rush. He can start the rush. He can join the rush. And if it messes up, he's quick enough and skilled enough to get back and make a difference in his own end. And that's, not necessarily something that we've seen from a lot of defensemen through the years under Vigneault, and, and that's partly Vigneault, and that's partly, partly having guys like Girardi and Stahl and um, those types of players who are maybe more steam engine than they are race car, and that's fine too in a sense, but this way is better. So, yeah. Now, we're moving on to the fun Mike topic that Mike has wanted to talk about for two weeks. This will make the third week. And he keeps forgetting to bring up. So don't blame me. Blame him. Because it's Mike's fault. It's Mike. Rude. Yeah, it is rude, but it's true. Mike, I'm going to let you take the reins on this one. Go ahead. You know exactly what you're going to talk about. Yeah, so we've gotten, you know, Shane and I did the mailbag for banter. And on the show, Joe, we've gotten a bunch of questions about Bolesky. Um, and it's interesting. Even recently, we heard. You know, Jeff Gordon. This is not at all what I thought you were going to talk no, about. No, <laughs> I'm, I'm tying it into that thing, don't worry. But this but, is okay, because we did mention we didn't talk about Bolesky either. Yeah, but yeah, I wanted to kind of tie Bolesky into it, because really this, this topic of conversation is about the Rangers' bottom six. And what makes it so interesting is Michael Lindquist and Vili Meskinen. And they are both guys who, you know, did, you know... Uh, Meskinen was in the Liga, and uh, you know Lindquist was in the, the SHL last season, and they both had really, really strong years. Um, I'm working on an article for the Banter about you know the NHL equivalencies um, in the work of Rob Volman and others. Um, I think it's the Wilson model, which is a slightly better way to look at it in terms of guys who, because oftentimes when we see these European free agents come over they kind of hone their skills in the AHL for a year or, you know, half a year maybe, and then make the jump there. And so we can kind of predict what they'll look like a little bit better. But what's so interesting to me about this is, you know, there's all this talk about, you know, really the top nine and like, where the hell do you fit Spooner? Where the hell do you fit Nemesnikov and all that? You know, trying to figure out like, how do we fit in Heedle and all that? But this team still needs a fourth line and, you know, still needs some guys who can be complimentary guys. We saw VC get signed, but I'm really, really intrigued by what happens with Lindquist and Meskinen in particular because Gordon just said the other day, like, he's he's really happy with with guys like Meskinen and Pionk and these kind of, these hidden gems they're finding. And uh, I'm wondering, it sounds to me, Joe, like the organization is pretty high on both of these guys. They're they're happy to have gotten them for sure, just simply because it's a, uh, just simply because it's it's a free lottery ticket, right? It's like you found a lottery ticket in Sweden, or you found a lottery ticket in Finland, and you yeah, go out there and you. you they're twenty three and twenty two years old, by the way. Lindquist yeah, you, is twenty three. You, you scratch it off, and you you wonder what you found, and um, you know that that's fine. It is what it is. In the case of you know uh, Meskinen, you're talking about a twenty two year old kid 
who put up 44 points in 48 league games, which is really not something to scoff at. It's the number one pro league in in Finland. Um, the Habs' number three overall pick, Kota Kanemi, had. Nah, I'm not going to remember off the top of my head, but you know, and I'm not making a comparison between the two players, but half of that now as a 17 year old, that's obviously much more impressive. But if you look at the growth that he's had, which is something that I harp on a lot, two years ago when he was 19, he had 13 points in 39 games. Last year, he had 20 and 44 games, and this year, he had 44 and 48 games. So that's definitely a player who you're seeing that growth potential out of, and that's an important thing to see. You want to see those jumps. I'm not sure he's going to be an NHL player, uh, at least not this year, but I definitely think Hartford needs some help in that regard, and that's going to make a really big difference. Lindquist was one of two point-per-game players who were under 24 years old in the SHL last year, and Mike has some crazy statistics for a story that he's working on, I don't think he published yet, um, where he gets to talk about how high his shooting percentage was on the power play, but that kid's a sniper through and through, and I don't know if he's an NHL sniper, but he is a sniper for sure. Um, again, you can't lose with guys like this. They're great pickups. They could be depth players. They could be the Jimmy VCs of the future. They could explode onto the scene. You have no idea. Um, Pat and Mike raised their hand. Mike, I'm going to let you go since I don't know if you want to hop on what I said. And then, Pat, you can follow Mike. Well, yeah, I just want a little breadcrumb from the piece I'm working on. Ooh, a nice little breadcrumb. Toasted breadcrumb. Little little dressing Lindquist, with it. Lindquist is... It's, He's undersized, right? He's 5'11", um, but he is a right-handed shot, which is really interesting because the Rangers only have a handful of those, uh, especially among forwards. And the thing that stood out to me the most when I was kind of doing the, the deep dig on his numbers was that he shot 40% on the power play last season. So uh, that is what we like to call, you know, unsustainable. Uh, 40% is is pretty damn good for, for any any sort of shooting rate of any kind, even in a small sample size in, uh, in professional hockey. And, um, you know, Meskinen, I'm not sure... That, I, I kind of want to throw this to, to Pat and Tom, and I guess you too, Joe. I don't really care what you say. But, you know, I I, you so if, you, if you don't want to talk about this, go ahead. But I was wondering, which of these two guys do you think has the better shot of being an NHL forward? That's a good question. Pat, I'm going to let you go. I'll answer last. Cool. So um, just a couple things before I answer that question. Sorry, Mike. Um, The first is that I agree with Joe about the lottery tickets, and I think it's a good strategy, broadly speaking, to just gobble up players and see who pans out. Like, what's the worst that happens? You put them in the AHL. It's really great. Um I like our Finnish friend perhaps more than Lindqvist, but I think, honestly, if one of the two makes it to the NHL, then great. Like, that's that's kind of what I'm getting at, is that, like, these are really no-loss moves, and I think the fact that the Rangers are doing a lot of that is good um people who know me know that i'm a huge john gilmore guy um you know only the real ones though you know what i'm saying like that's a top secret thing that i only share with certain people um and now the world of people who listen to this podcast so yeah i guess i I guess i secret on that one yeah yeah really okay well to the fbi agents who are ultimately recording all these phone calls don't trust pat with any of your secrets 
Yeah, so I think Meskinen is probably my preferred guy. Um, just as far as those points go, I mean, damn. Uh, but yeah, I think generally it's a good strategy to be picking up guys wherever you can, and I trust the Rangers' European scouts. I mean, Heedle is obviously the bomb. Um, I think I'm very high on Kraftsoff. Uh Foss was good. Lindbergh was good. You know, like these lower-key dudes we're picking out of Europe can only be good for us, and that's it. Thomas, you have an opinion on this? So if we're going to compare the the two forwards um, using the uh, NHL E calculator um, that was put together, um, I can share it um, on Twitter, but it's using the conversion factors that Manny from uh, Corsica uh, sort of churned out. Um, Who gave me a follow yesterday, by the way, so shouts out to Manny. Big Corsi Ma- fan, happy to be here. Michael Lindquist's NHL E. Uh, was 50.7 by virtue of having 33 points in 34 SHL games. Um, and then Meskinen's NHLE was 35.3. Now, granted, these are single-season totals, um, and there are, are you know various calculators that uh, you know people use. Um, I know Rob Voldman has, has one as well. Um, I mean, personally, I I think I got to see them in North America first to sort of make the determination um, who's going to have the better shot of being um, an an NHLer. And then uh, earlier, Joe, um, your point about Kotkanemi, he had 29 points in 57 games this past season, um, just sort of as as a point of comparison. So for him being... A younger player and sort of having almost a similar uh, overall point total to uh, Meskinen. Much younger, though. Five years younger. And here's my answer to your question, Mike. Um, it, to me, my head says Meskinen because I think he's less of a wild card, if you will. Meskinen's game is rounded out better. He doesn't have those fluky numbers, those crazy percentages, and those ridiculous, like 40% shooting on the power plays. Nuts. But my heart says Lindquist, and really the only reason I have for that answer is because I think the SHL is a better league than Liga is. But the main answer is that I always err on the side of goal scoring. If a guy is an NHL-level shot, he has an NHL-level shot. Now, a lot of those guys don't pan out and make it to the NHL. There are plenty of examples, more than I can give you right here, and you don't want to hear me list them anyway. So Ryan Gropp actually is a great example of a guy who's always had an NHL-level shot who can't score in the AHL. But I tend to err on the side of goal scoring. I tend to lean in that direction. So that would be my answer. Um, and not that either of them are bad. And not like Pat said, if even if they go to the AHL, the AHL desperately needs that level of depth because really they had that's become like a dead zone for NHL prospects in in Broadway. And that's not that's not the way that you develop talent. That's not the way that you put together a winning team. If you look at these teams that have gone through deep runs in the playoffs and won the Stanley Cup, more often than not, they have a very good feeder system, and that feeder system is the AHL. That doesn't exist in New York. So these guys help fix that problem. They help add that lottery ticket, and there is literally no risk. Mike, you have a thought on this? Yeah, I you know I've taken I've watched a lot of film on both of them. You know, mostly just like highlight stuff and getting an idea of how they kind of 
create offense and really how they you know finish on their chances and what's so interesting to me about Lindquist is he's a guy who is really good at finding you know the opening um, and getting to an area where he can shoot um, especially around the face like on the inside of the faceoff dots but you know the North American ice surface is a little bit smaller and I'm wondering if that's a, an adjustment he's going to have to make. With that being said, he has like a really, really nice release. He probably already has that NHL level shot. Both of these guys are righties. Um, something else to point out, because you know I mentioned um, Lindquist was a righty before, and how you know that kind of is something that works works in his favor for him moving up the ranks a little bit. But I'm I'm kind of leaning towards Meskinen um, largely because. You know, he's he has pretty good numbers, you know, before this season, really. Um, you know, last season, you know, uh, for Ilves, he had, you know, 20 points. Um, you know, and again, he is the younger of the two. He will be 23, uh, you know, on October 2nd. But, you know, this, this blow-up was not something that was kind of completely unexpected. He was a really, really productive player, um, you know, coming up through the ranks of of Liga, um, you know, in their minor leagues. So I'm I'm leaning towards him being the guy to keep an eye on. But like you, Joe, I also kind of can't I can't help but be intrigued by Lindquist. It's it, it just a guy with a big shot, power play specialist. It's really fun on paper. I mean, like uh, I really wouldn't mind a guy like that panning out on the third line because you know, in many ways, you know, I kind of prefer the power play specialist, the guy with a great shot. You know who can hopefully play you know, relatively, relatively well-rounded game over someone like let's say VC who, you know, doesn't really generate his own offense. But you know, it's not to say that Lindquist does because you know he's a finisher as well. But it's it's kind of a skill-based finish rather than a you know a big frame causing chaos, finding rebound goals kind of a finisher. So, um, but again, I think both of these guys are probably not getting talked about enough. Um, you know, here in the off season, you know, even though we're in the doldrums here, but I'm I'm definitely intrigued to see who ends up who ends up kind of higher on the depth chart, and whether or not any of them, you know, gets an extended look in preseason or something like that. So I have to keep an eye on that one. They could and they might, because the reality of the situation is, as much as the defense is sort of the big question mark right now, there are forward spots up to grab, and maybe not a ton of forward spots, but enough that it's definitely something to think about. All right, we're going to move into the questions. We're going to do this a little bit differently, because we have a ton of questions, and there's four of us, and it's going to take forever. It's a speed round. Speed round, you're going to give your answer quickly and concisely. I'll be the moderator. I will yell it out. I'm going to make up a question first. Before we begin, just to get everybody practice with because it. Because we have a bunch of questions. We do have a bunch of questions. Here's my question, though. I'm making this up. Does Matt Bileski make the NHL roster next year? Mike, start us off. Yes, he does. Tom, go. Yes, yes. Pat. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you guys could probably unmute yourselves at this point because okay. we're going we're gonna to go We want to be shooting from the hip. We're going to be shooting from the hip. Um, Alex Khalifa. Do you expect Nemestikov to exceed his 2017-2018 output of 22 goals next season? Nope. My, yeah, I'm going to let Mike go because Mike is going to make fun of me. Not at all. N- not at all. Pat? Uh, I think so. I really like him. That's just me. I could um, go into it further, but I won't. You, you could go a little bit further into it. No, no. It's it's too much. 
Tom? <laughs> I, I think he'll match it. See, I don't think he will because I just I don't see enough goal scorers with him. I think domestic. But Joe, Cup, I thought you said he was a 60, 70 point player. I did not say he was a 60, 70 point player. I said that he was a, he could be a 25, 25 guy, which I still stand by. Player, um, do you want me to roll back the tape to Ryan Lindgren? You can't do it. Uh, <laughs> I just I think Nemestikov is going to get used in more of a defensive role this year. He's going to kind of be that safety net that the Rangers have needed to use fast, like, and they have not been. So. Eighteen goals. Well, who's going to be ahead of him in the top six then? Okay, now Wing wise, questions. he's a damn he's a damn wild Tom, card. But like, well, so you're throwing a that, wrench in the whole thing. Uh, well, you know what? That's okay though. Tom's throwing a good wrench this time. He's not. He's not. Going crazy. Uh, it's a good question. The reason why I'm more thinking down the depth chart, I think KZB is going to end up being the, the first line. I would be surprised if it's not. Um, you're right in that he could slot into that second line, you know, that, that second grouping. But I kind of feel like Nemestikov is going to be tied to VC and maybe Hedl or Anderson, depending on how the Rangers throw around their centers. Because they if you make Hedl the second, if you make Hedl the third line center, and you have VC on his wing, Nemestikov gives you the underlying numbers and the defense that you can let Hedl and VC kind of do their own thing in the offensive zone, and you know maybe Spooner will find his way there. I, I, I it's there's a lot of things. Um, I, I just don't necessarily think that Nemestikov is going to be used as that top six player. He might be. I mean, Zuccarello is going to be up there. Obviously, the the names that we know are going to be there. I think a lot of it does depend on Spooner too. But go ahead, go ahead, Tom. Uh, the only reason why I feel that he's going to get a fair shake is that of the players that they re-signed, he's someone that they realistically could try to trade at some point. So they're going to put him in every opportunity to succeed, so that he does even have inflated stats that a team will go, "Oh, look," and. Therefore, that's why I think 22 goals is within the realm. I mean, it's going to probably come in a little bit lower, but I wouldn't say that's uh, impossible. I think 22 is in the realm. I just want to say that. I just have a gut feeling he'll be below. You know, his numbers were definitely juiced up by who we played with in Tampa. Juicing. They're just juicing. I don't think he's the player that we saw produce the way he did in Tampa, and I don't think he's the player we saw with the Rangers who, you know, had that great first couple games then disappeared in the lineup i don't think he's either of those players he's somewhere in the middle you're getting yeah you're getting some of it i mean to tom's point too with so if you're assuming Kreider and buchnevich are the top two wingers i mean from there it goes zuccarello and then what it's going to be zuccarello and spooner maybe and then you're throwing you know nemestikov on that third line maybe play at wing who knows I, i don't know if i would but Anyway, next question. Jeff D. All right, this is a would-you-rather question. Would you Option rather. A, Hedl and Anderson both play in the AHL, which saves them an ELC year, so it saves the year if they're entry-level contracts. Or, Hedl and Anderson play in the NHL but struggle. I don't particularly like either of these options, but I, in the guise of the question, I would prefer they play in the NHL even if they struggle. Because if they're going to get the roles that we would like them to get, and that's a part of this quote-unquote guarantee, I think they gain more from being in the NHL and learning the pace of the game, unless they're totally outmatched, which I think they proved last year they really aren't, then they would get the ECL year, the ELC year doesn't bother me at all. Pat? All right, so um, 
if they're going to struggle, then keep them in the AHL and keep that ELC year. I mean, I think, you know, big picture. Mike the is ELC researching thing, if they even can. He's, he's looking it up. I don't know if you can slide them. I think you can. Yeah, I'm not sure exactly how that works. Um, For whatever reason, I want to say Heedles can slide again because of his age. I'm not sure about Anderson, but, you know. Yeah, I guess card. what I'm saying is I'm not super worried about that big picture because, as Mike has mentioned, we have tons and tons of cap space just constantly for the next forever. Um, but I think, you know, why not get an extra subsidized year and uh, keep them in the AHL to really hone their skills? If they're going to struggle in the NHL, I mean, listen, if they're going to be popping in the NHL, yeah, let's popping. call them up, dude. I'm all about it if they're going to be really good. But if they're definitely going to struggle, then I don't know why do it. I think we've we've figured out that they are not they're no, they, con- they, they wouldn't like slide again, right? They are both, I believe, slide candidates uh, according to Cap Friendly, which I, I tend to trust. Um, We're trusting Cap Friendly. All right, so they ha- could. Slide they both again. have a friendly little check mark next to uh, next to their names. As the slide. Leas is nineteen, and Philip is nineteen. So. Um, I'll provide the link, and you guys can read it. No, I'm not doing it. Uh, Tom is saying Anderson turns 22 October 13th. He says 20, not 22, Joe. You're Sorry, 20. misinforming the readers. But it looks it looks like it's dependent on their age when they actually turn. Well, this is terrible podcasting. All right, it's Tom, terrible no podcast. I mean, personally, I think it's a situation that regardless of slide, no slide, you want to see what they can do off the bat with a new coach. And then if they're out of their depth, then there's there's no reason why you don't give them premium ice time with Hartford. I, I don't think it's a situation of them being in a bind from a contract perspective. It's just pure performance-based. Mike, your answer? Both of these guys are going to be a part of the future. Um, they're both guys you want to build around. Let them work it out at the NHL level. Let um, them work it out. That's that's kind of the way I approach these things. Is give these kids, you know, the let them kind of let them be preparing themselves. Let them be testing themselves against NHL talent. You know, I think that we already we already have seen a glimpse glimpses of them both. I feel like in many ways, Leas is kind of already ready for the NHL and the intensity of it like he's he's already like a scrappy little player who you know could i think very comfortably center you know a third line um i don't think that's where he'll end up but you know he by the end of the year i feel like he could definitely be there um i think Heedle is you know the skill level is is obviously there but he's kind of a guy who you know kind of gets bounced off the puck a lot still and i feel like he's still adjusting to you know what's different about the NHL game, um, but yeah, I, I know Tom. Tom is, is, I think Tom has a different opinion than me. I think I, I have. I also have a different opinion than you, which is well. I feel like, in terms of what they're projected to be, right? I feel like Leas is, you know, like a second line two way center. I feel like he's already kind of, in many ways, because of you know he was the safe draft pick. He's already kind of close to what he's going to be, whereas Heedle might need some polishing. I it's not that he isn't NHL ready. It's that to me he's, you know, there has to be an adjustment to scoring against NHL talent to me. Like uh, God, I love the word polishing. It's a great word. I love you, Joe. 
I, I love you too. I just I, between the two of them, I think Heedle's more NHL ready than Anderson is. I don't think Heedle looked out of place or lost at all in in his time in New York. And granted, it was only nine games or, or whatever it ended up being, but nothing nothing Heedle did showed me that he couldn't handle it or that he shouldn't handle it. Uh, Anderson, again, not that I necessarily saw something I didn't like, but Anderson definitely looked like a guy who maybe was a little bit more sound in his own game, but I, I think Heedle is, but even right now, far and away the better option than Anderson is. Tom? I think if you look at what the Leafs did with Nylander, he had 32 points in 37 games during his first season with the Marlies, and then they sent him back to the AHL to start uh, the next season. He had 45 points in 38 games. Then he was called up, and then he finished the season with uh, the Leafs with 13 points in 22 games. So I certainly can see the uh, the situation where you might want to have Heedle back just to see if he can do it a second time. Um, but I think that if he plays as he, he showed it uh, with the Rangers and with, with Hartford and with uh, you know World Junior, that I think that he's uh, going to be ready sooner rather than later. There it is. The Heedle-Anderson debate finished. Josh Zarkin, when will the Rangers do something? Uh, soon. They have to. Right, because, right after we put this podcast. Yeah, right. the minute this podcast goes up, uh, they will announce some type of a deal for Shea or anything else that we talked about. Michael Spooner. Silvers, Patreon Spooner supporter. A brand deal with a, with a famous spoon company. Do you guys get the same warm and fuzzies that I do when reading David Quinn quotes? And I'm going to lump in Josh Zarkin's second question, which was how big was your smile after reading that Gordon quote about Butch? Um, all right, let Butch. me let me set the, the tone here. About Buchnevich, Gordon pretty much said he's going to be a top six player in this league for us, and he's going to be a great player for a long time, which insinuates that the Rangers are admitting that they undervalued him and that he was not used the way that he was supposed to under Vigneault. I have somehow become like this defender of Buchnevich, which I find hysterical. Um, there are groups of people who seem to think Buchnevich is a 20-goal scorer at best and that he's kind of useless and that there are people who have no problem making fun of me about that. And honestly, I'm not even going to defend myself. I'm going to let Buchnevich defend me, and then you can all write me apology letters at the end of the season next year. Uh, in regards of... Um, the Quinn quotes, Quinn is doing a hell of a lot of talking about the importance of not just developing players, but bonding with players, connecting with players, doing what he has to do to make sure there's open lines of communication, making sure that everybody's held accountable and pretty much everything. See, this is what I find really funny. I'm going to go off on a very quick tangent. All of these people who complain about bantering the blue shirts or blue shirt banter or think that we're trying to be like the next best thing or we're just jumping on topics or whatever stupid thing that they're arguing – Nobody admits that we're right. We were right about AV, right? <laughs> we were right about the fact that AV was wrong with the way that he was treating Buchnevich, like that AV was fired because of player development. We were all these things that we told you that the Rangers weren't good enough when they got killed by the Penguins, that they killed themselves against the Ottawa Senators, that they were going to miss the playoffs last year. All these things that we told you that everybody points at us and goes, oh, too negative, stupid. You don't even know what you're talking about. You're wrong. Nobody admits that they were wrong. We were right. So here's what I'm going to tell you. 
David Quinn is not saying this stuff for his own good. James Dolan is not making the comments before they hired Quinn for their own good. They're saying it because it's something they believed, okay? Vigneault was fired because Vigneault was fired. I get it. People don't want to talk about him anymore. But the minute you accept that the player development, the player communication, the player accountability, that all of that stuff that we've been moaning about has not been there, you will come to the realization that A, we were right, and B, that this is the reason why the people are saying the things that they're saying. Quinn is going to be a much different head coach than the Rangers have had in a long time. I don't think Tortorella was great at developing talent. I think Vigneault was downright bad at developing talent. And Tom Rennie, honestly, who has any idea what Tom Rennie was doing? So in that span of time, yes, it's a different team. There's different stuff. I am very excited to see these comments because it's everything we've been asking for for the past four years. That's the end of my rant. Pat, go. All right, so let me just say two things. First of all, I'm also always, always all aboard the Butchnevich Brigade. I think he's dope. I wrote, like, a 3,000-word thing on him and all his stats and stuff that, like, no one read because it was too long. But just trust me on this. He's the real deal. Uh, As far as the Quinn quotes go, I am really excited about that stuff. Uh, because on a personal level, I used to work at a YMCA camp in the Catskills, and we did all kinds of, like, team bonding and, like, relationship building and, like, character stuff, and I love this introspective kind of coaching style where he's emphasizing positive relationships between coaching staff and players and, you know, open lines of communication and everybody being on the same page and, like, all that, like, wishy-washy stuff that I feel like traditional sports culture kind of eschews because it's not, you know, macho and stoic. Like, let's not do that. Let's, like... Like, I don't know. I feel like the locker room is going to be fun, dude. It's not even that it's going to be fun, but... I, or I just, like, a good to, community or something. Right, that, like, there's gonna, that these guys are going to get closer with one another because they're not sitting there thinking, well, why was I benched for that? miscommunication or that missed play when he wasn't and the back and forth. I don't need any of that. Tom. I think the also good thing with Quinn is that he's sort of, he's getting out there. He's sort of talking about this enthusiasm. He's talking about having this communication and and learning and listening. And he's going to be in an environment where he could potentially have a roster that stays together for more than four years. And the only reason I bring that up is, you know, as a college coach, you're constantly sort of shuffling people along. And in the case, you know, the spot he was at, it was a premier school. So you would have top level talent leaving after one year, after two year. So I think there's genuine incitement uh, from his perspective that he's in the NHL. He's going to have these players that they are young. He's going to be able to develop them and he's going to be able to keep them and, and be a part of something that uh, that grows in, in, into a success and it's not just going to go away after a season or two. Mike, you're going to bring us home on this one, buddy. I think like uh, he's going to rub a lot of shoulders. He's going to pat a lot of backs. Share sandwiches. He's going to call a lot of guys buddy and pal. And a lot less gum chewing with arms crossed over his chest. Uh, looking kind of lost. So that's good. Josh, my smile was big. That's my answer to your question. I've. It's hilarious that... I've been validated like three times about the Buchnevich stuff. The first was when AV was fired and all the comments were made about player development. The second was when 
literally Buchnevich himself talked about how the way that he was treated was an enormous factor in why he didn't play as well. And the third was the quote by Gordon about Buchnevich, which I guess I should read to you. I could see this is a big year for Pavel. Gordon said, this is Jeff Gordon. He's going to be introduced to a new type of system. We'll have bigger minutes. He'll be a top six forward for a long time and should move up from a 43-point season to much more time in the future. End quote. And the reality of the situation, I'm being mocked more now about Buchnevich than even during the season. And, like, these things, you don't put up numbers like Buchnevich did, the numbers that he did put up in the underlying numbers without there being skill there. So if you want to root against the player who plays for the New York Rangers because of me, that's fine. That says a lot more about you than it does about me. Mike, your next comment. I just want to say I don't like this this Alex Jonesy trend of yours where you bring up people who attack you, Joe. It's, I'm th- I'm throwing and, heat, Mike. And and you you have to disprove them and say, look, with Joe, you're better than that. We don't need to do this. Yeah, this but you know what? We are. I I need my no, I, no, I need my listen, moment of gloating. No, no, you listen to me when I talk to you. With we have friends here. This is a safe place. <laughs> it's an intervention. Not, not everyone is here to attack you, Joe. Not everyone. A lot of these people. No like one you here very should much. be here to attack me. I none of the three, none of the four of you, I, three of you, I will cut this off. See, Pat said he's here to attack me. I will he throw know. a ninja star. Tom, your point. In your carotid artery. As soon as Mike's done. I'm not going to be done. I think the point with Buchnevich is that he got off to a great start to the season. He had ninja 32 star. points in his first 50 games. So that's, you know, .64 points per game. And... He, he was playing well. Then he has the concussion. Then he comes back, and he's sort of stumbling a little bit. Um, and what was interesting is that when he came back from the concussion, he averaged over a minute more per game than he was previously. So when the season was said and done, his average ice time was 15 minutes and one second. Had he not done that, he would have finished uh, averaging under 15 minutes. And then in terms of players uh, with uh, his production averaging less than that, he would have been looked about in a a, um, a much different light. So it's it was part, uh, you know, the way he was used, part how he played, and then also, you know, sort of coming back from an injury. But, you know, this, this is, you know, the year for him. He's going to get every opportunity. And I, I think what we've seen from him, he, he's going to go be able to embrace it. And then if, if he doesn't, then then he doesn't. And, and, and that's on him. And, and that'll be the end of it. Next question. This is a number question. Jake Lester. Numbers. How many games do you give Lundquist this year? He thinks 50 to 55 for Hank, 25 to 30 for Georgiev would be optimal. I'm probably in that camp just because the Rangers aren't trying to be contenders. So I would think 55 to 60 for Hank and, you know, 25 to 20 for the backup. And I I do think it would be Georgiev is probably the answer. Mike, is that you trying to talk? 53, 50, 54, 53. All right. So between 53 and 54 which is pretty much where we all are. Pat? Uh, Going to go with 40-40 split. 41-41, excuse me. I don't think there's any way in hell that happens. but No, maybe. definitely not. Absolutely not. That's uh, it. You know what, though? Yeah, you're making me think a little bit. Maybe. I mean, maybe. No, if the Rangers are... Two years from now, you do the 50-50 split. It, it, well, I don't know. If the Rangers think this is a lost year and they want to keep Hank fresh for next year when they think they have a better shot at making the playoffs, 
Why wouldn't you 50 That's what split? I wrote about in my article about I, whether I, or not they should get a goalie, and everyone got mad at me. Now yeah. I'm InfoWars. Well, why are now, we even mentioning InfoWars? You're, you're promoting the thing that we shouldn't be promoting. I'm not promoting it. I'm just saying what it is. Well, I think the 50-50 is not crazy. Joe, I, I don't think it's going to happen. On a Sotba mattress? A what? Or, no, wait. Casper mattress. No, but we don't have an ad this week. We can't. I know, but this is how you're reeling back in. We can't. We can't promote them this week. What kind of a mattress do you have, Tom? Tom, you have it. That's the competitor. A, Sa- a Sativa mattress. A sativa. Sativa. Tom, you smoking weed in a mattress? Tom, is there a reason why you're not answering any of these questions that it, we're asking it's, you? It's pronounced Sativa. Is it a Sativa mattress? Yes. And w- what is it? What is it like? Is it worse than Casper? Sotva, it's it's a really comfortable mattress. Um, it's actually, uh, I think Tom, one this of is a Casper mattress podcast. I think the way that they promote the mattress is Sotva mattress is actually the the mattress that the Pope sleeps on. Tom, oh, is that? Well, wait a minute. Hang on a second. Now, for a Tom. moment, if that's true, then Tom is the holiest of the group of us, and we can't say anything to him. I just want to point out, having gone to Catholic school for a whopping year, my understanding is that the Pope is the closest human to God, and so the mattress is, like, integral there. Yeah, so I I was in Catholic school until the sixth grade, and, you know, that mattress speaks to God more than any of you heathens do. So, yeah, there you go. And Pat sleeps on a super secret mattress that he doesn't want us to tell you about. I'd like to point out that Casper is the name of a ghost. It's a Casper. now, see there. See you know what, Tom? You're never coming back on this show because you have the competitor to Casper for for your mattress choice. Pat's no. over here. He, he bought a Casper specifically because they God support the show. All. In my defense, I did not buy the mattress. Oh wait so. a minute, though. Time out. I forgot about the Pope thing. Um, Tom, you're of course welcome. The good Lord is welcome on this podcast. And so. to answer the Lundquist question, I would personally. Oh, yeah, we didn't even let you go. How dare you answer the Lundquist I would question. play him from 45 to 50 games. And I think the way that you can do that is you sort of look at the schedule. 50. You don't. You don't play him back-to-back games. Um, you try and give him rest sort of around the bye week and around the all-star break type thing. It, and it gives you the opportunity to evaluate Georgiev even more. And then if you find out that Georgiev isn't a fit, you try someone else from Hartford. Because obviously in these next two years, you want to see if there's another goalie in the picture before Shashorkin comes over. Because when Lundqvist is gone, you don't want to have all your eggs in one basket. Maybe Lundqvist sleeps on a mattress of just, like, his chest hair. because, Or he sleeps on a mattress that the Pope would sleep on. I don't know. Mike has me thinking now. Um, I like are we X. good on the mattress talk? We're all good on that? I was going to say, Casper is a ghost, right? Yeah. And ghost means you're dead, and that's, that's pretty much as close to, to Jesus as you're going to get. That's an interest. But, like, if you're a ghost then you're and you're on the earth, then you're not in heaven. So maybe you're not close to jesus at all yeah but maybe you're on the spirit plane Ooh, i don't know man i think i poked a good hole in that one and if you're a ghost are you really sleeping first of all you can't poke a hole in a ghost that's that's obvious that goes without saying well you you don't know you're not a ghost have you ever tried to poke a ghost ectoplasm everywhere inferno rangers where do you see the rangers finishing in the lottery standings he says, rank your worst teams till you hit the Rangers, but that's probably too confusing and too much hard work because I really don't think the Rangers are going to be that long oh, on the list. Oh, that's fun. I'm going to think the Rangers at at best. I know what we do, Joe. We each name a team that's going to be worse than the Rangers, starting with Joe. Buffalo. Tom? Edmonton. 
Pat? Winnipeg. Ooh, Winnipeg. What? That's crazy. No, sauce. I don't know, like Calgary or something. Calgary sucks. All right, so Pat, Winnipeg, what sort of mattress do you sleep on? We're not sleeping on that one. It's bad. <laughs> Whatever. It's the whiskey mattress. I, you know, like. listen, I will, I will give you this. Winnipeg very well may see a fall from grace simply because, you know, they lost Stastny, which is a huge loss for them. Um, the, tra- the Truba situation is once again dissolved into madness. So it's possible. I- I'll-, I'll give you that. It's possible. All right. So Pat has changed his answer to maybe Please. Calgary. Uh, Mike? Ottawa. Ottawa going to be yeah, real that's bad. Actually, that's a great choice. Uh, I will go again. I will say Arizona. Oh, Tom, I th- go again. I, th- I think Arizona is going to be pretty good, actually, with the people they've added. But uh, Montreal will be worse. The no, Rangers. See, I'm I'm coming to the end of my list now. Pat, do you have anybody else you think is going to be worse than the Rangers? The oh, New we, we missed the big one. York Islanders. Yeah, that's a good one. And there's one more. Vancouver. Yep, there it is. Oh that's my God, list. they're going to be terrible. Ugh. That's Hear my list. I think Florida. Really, then my like are... maybe's Florida, Carolina, um, Chicago. Carolina. Yeah, Chicago. I like they're, Carolina they're not, this year. I don't th- I'm saying they're going to be better than the Rangers. They're just my oh, okay. my like on that just over the Rangers. Minnesota yeah. I would put in that category the Kings. The Kings have a lot of problems too. So, yeah. I would def- see Mike. That was fun. That was good. That was good work. I you. I have a quick quick question. The Devils lost a lot. They didn't get anybody. Are the Devils not going to make the playoffs? No. Who's- they still have Taylor Hall though. Yeah, but that's one that's that's one golden goose. I don't how know they, if they'll make the playoffs, but I don't think they're going to be worse than the Rangers. I I don't know how how to feel about the Devils, but that's how I feel every year. Anyway, next question. That was good. We did. That was good. That was good. That was a good roundabout. Even though Pat's been drinking and thinking about Winnipeg, yeah, he's, he's drink. Good. He's he's on his damn whiskey mattress. Um, in the uh, all right, so Connor O'Brien asked the question that sort of happened already. He pulled a VC. He asked about the fact that Truba, if he wasn't traded, which he obviously isn't because he signed the arbitration deal that he got. But his question is, would he be somebody worth signing a an offer sheet for? Yes or no, Mike? Offer sheets are like the fun idea that we all want to do, but none of us does. Um, and meaning, like sleeping on a whiskey mattress, except like for Pat the Wild like Card. Sleeping on a Jack Daniels brand a Jack mattress. Dan- a, a, a just grain um, alcohol mattress. Guys, it's a Casper. <laughs> It's a Casper. It's a Casper. Soaked Pat? with rum. Your answer? Um, uh, yeah. My answer is... I didn't even finish my answer. <laughs> well, we heard your answer. I really... Sort of. You know, I wasn't, like, thinking about it, but now that I do think about it, they absolutely should have offer-sheeted Jacob Truba and really just, you know, gone to town on that. Yeah. Tom? I wouldn't have offer-sheeted him because I wouldn't want to give up the picks when it's clear that there's already a contentious situation between both sides. So it would be a situation where you're kind of wasting draft picks where you could just as easily trade for them. And I think it's a situation where the leverage is going to slip away even further. So while I would like the player, I think from a strategic standpoint, it wouldn't have made sense. Tom sleeping on a mattress of education. I'm with Tom. Yes, in terms of the the player being worth being offer sheeted, yes. But that situation's coming to a head, so you could probably get him for less than what you'd have to sign him for that Winnipeg wouldn't match. Matt, uh, Matt, Mike, do you have a comment since I cut you off and you're mad? No, I'm going to call you Jeff now. All right. Is there anything for Jeff? 
Yeah. Um, no, I wouldn't have officiated him. Doug Bloomfeld, what Rangers topic do you think brings out the most heated debates at the Rangers forum? Booch or Shea? Probably Buchnevich, and the forum, I was going to promote it at the end of the show, I guess I'll promote it now. Uh, myself and Mike will be at a forum with Blue Shirt hey. Breakaway and the Garden Faithful August 25th. There are still some tickets available. Uh, those tickets can be purchased on the link that I keep retweeting. It's 20 bucks to get in. That includes a beer. Tom will be there. Shayna will be there. Pat, are you going to show up? Um, it's actually my dad's birthday. So Pat's a no because he has family he's, stuff, which is more important than the forum. But you guys should be there. We're gonna uh, we're gonna have a lot of things to talk about. I think it's gonna be a good time. Those are the three most popular Rangers podcasts out there. So whoa, 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 a... whoa, 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 whoa. Well, Blue Sea Plugs isn't podcasting, man. Yeah, I know that's like entirely my fault. You're not. You're not. You're like the uh, what's a good example? I don't even know. Well, when when Pat you're on hiatus. Then, yeah, you're on hiatus. Yeah, we're on hiatus. You're, you're not, you're not a first is, run podcast right now. It's that's totally. All. It's totally my fault. So it's not fault, no, 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 no. I'm just super lazy. It's not happens. lazy. You're sleeping on a mattress made of whiskey, so you're just drunk all the time. I mean, that could if be. You that slept could on be. a Who's normal to say? mattress. Who's yeah, to say? It doesn't know. So yes, yeah, so those three podcasts. We will all be there. It will be fun and enjoyable. Um, and you guys should come and drink a beer and listen to us and get to meet Mike and Shane and Tom because nobody if wants you to meet watch me. a man have a panic attack and sweat a lot on stage. Mike is not going to have a panic attack. I'm going to be rubbing him gently, and he'll feel better. So that will be fine. Coconut oil. John Alo. Wow, I legit was going to ask a question regarding all of this via bantering points, and he's responding to, see, this is what Mike was telling them before, that I literally don't read the questions until we come up to the show. That wasn't even a question. He was talking about changes in the Metropolitan Division, so Mike answered his question because Mike is awesome. Um, Trevor... Hints. Trevor. Trevor. His question is, why are Devils fans mad about Keith Kincaid going on Blue Shirts Breakaway? This was interesting. So the Blue Shirts Breakaway guys, again, they're going to be at the forum. They got Keith Kincaid to go on their show. I think the show that Shayna was on. And Devils fans, like, freaked out about it. Because I guess Kincaid had just blocked some people. I don't know. I mean, if you found out that, like... Well, Kincaid's a former NHL goalie, so like if Valaket went on a Devils podcast, I don't think that would bother me. I think that's if a little Lundquist different. If went though, on like an Islanders podcast, I think yeah. it might bother me. I was just gonna say Valaket is also the Rangers like analyst guy, so I think that's a little different. Um, He's a company man. Yeah, I guess it would be akin to like. Yeah, Kincaid is active, Joe. You said former. Yeah, like, I don't know. I like, apologize. if if Al Montoya went on an Islanders podcast, would you care? Not yeah, at all. No, I don't think I don't think that would bother not, me at not all. Not in the no. least. Uh, I don't know. What Jamie Bussold. What if Georgiev went on a uh, Dallas went on Stars like podcast. Islanders anxiety or whatever the lighthouse hockey one is? I don't yeah. think that would bother me at all. See, I don't think I'm, I'm bothered by these things. Why would I? I, I would just like to hear Lundquist. That's all. I was in Lundqvist's presence once. We had a one-on-one interview with one another. Um, God, it had to be like three years now, maybe four years ago. Can you still smell him? It was in Brooklyn. He was doing like a, a forum, or not a forum, he was doing like an event for kids, and they like ushered the two of us into this this small room in the, it was, I think it was in the, what is that, Mike, the aviation, um, what is it oh, called? The aviator. 
Yeah, the Aviator. So the Riveters played there for a year, didn't they? That was their home rink in the inaugural NWHL season. So they ushered us, like, into this locker room, and it's just me and Hank, and we're just sitting there, and he's in, like, full pads, and I didn't even know what to do with myself. Um, That was was awesome. He's smaller than you think he is. Like, you assume he's an enormous guy because of how big he looks in his pads, but he's really, he's... I'm not saying he's like thin as a rail, but he's he's smaller than you think he is. Not um, according to Sean Avery. Well, that's a different. He's oh. he's big. He's big in the areas that it counts. The old peen area. Uh, Jamie Bussold, could you all predict who gets moved at the deadline? My list is Zuccarello, Spooner, and one of Vlad or VZ. I'm gonna say maybe maybe Spooner, probably Zuccarello. I don't think Vlad or VZ are going anywhere. Mike. What did you say? Maybe Spooner, and then what would you say? Zuccarello. Okay, well, let's play the game of who is a UFA. Uh, Zuccarello. Uh, probably Spooner, we can safely assume. Then you have Cody McLeod, you have Peter Holland, and uh, Stephen Camper. Uh, I think of that group is pretty much the guys you think, Joe. I'm not sure about Vlad getting moved. I think both he and VZ are more likely candidates candidates to get moved next year when there's even more kind of push from the young guys kind of pushing them out of the picture um and the kind of the same can be said of Kreider but yeah Kreider, um, you know Kreider's another interesting case but I, no I really think the Rangers about that one but uh Kreider to Edmonton uh, I, I don't want to talk about that I listen I'm telling you I think the Rangers are amping up um Kreider to be the next captain, so I'm not sure. He's yeah, gonna... oh, there, yeah, exactly, Joe. There's also that. There's you know. He's... By the way, we we went from Lundqvist and his supposed enormous penile area to Kreider, who there's similar rumors going out there about that. So, just this is a to point classy family podcast. Uh, Pat, did I did I let you answer connected. the question? No, um, I think like Zook is almost definitely gone, right? I, I have to assume he is. That's a wrap. Um, it depends on. Depends on who gets packaged and what. You know, like yeah. if we're putting together a big thing and maybe we'd rather, obviously, we'd rather talk it down to like Zook and VZ. Um, but they'd probably want like Zook and Spooner. And, you know, does it really matter? Not, no. Yeah, I don't think any of them are going to be packaged if we're being completely honest. Tom, your answer. What was the question again? Oh, my God. Are you kidding me? Here we are in the midst of the most important question in the history of the podcast. Who do you think gets traded at the deadline this year? Oh, at the trade deadline this year, I would say Zook is definitely gone. Uh, I would say that that, depending on the type of year he has, they'll they'll listen on Kreider just because they don't want to go into a situation where he's a lame duck with, with one year left. Um, I think that they will they'll potentially listen on one of Spooner, Nemestikov, it, considering he's back. Um, anyone that they don't have in the long-term future plans, they will listen to. And in Zook's case, I wouldn't rule it out of the possibility of them trading him and then uh, re-signing him a la Aroldis Chapman. Well, there you go. Final question, because I have to go take care of my child. Clem... Fandago, Surly Sailor. Fandango? Which players do you think will be able to improve the most from the change of AV's man-on-man coverage to what Quinn will deploy? 
So this is a harder question because we're not 100% sure what Quinn is going to go out there with. Um, I'll just answer this question that on defense, I think you're going to see the biggest boost from Shea. I, I think you're going to get the biggest net boost from D'Angelo and that he, he goes from like an AHL tweener to an actual NHL player. But I really do think we're going to see the best of Shea. And I'll throw Smith in there too from like AHL washout who's fighting guys to somebody who's in the NHL for real. Pat! Okay, so let me preface this by saying I've been watching some BU stuff, and by that I mean one whole game I found on Stadium TV, uh, where actually you can watch any BU game for free, as well as like a bunch of other college sports, like all sports. Uh, it's really great. Anyways, uh, they appear to play a zone, I think, and... That, to me, says it's going to be a little easier on a guy like Stahl. Probably will be easier for a guy like Stahl. Um, as I, soon as Pat watches the second game, we'll get him on here and we'll get more more analysis. Yeah, I'm going to... This is... Uh, it, I don't is know. an upcoming Blue Shirt Banter story. No. <laughs> yeah, it is. See how, see how I took it away from Dave right there? Uh, there Jesus. you go. <laughs> it's, it's a, you've said it on the podcast. It's a verbal contract. Uh, it is there now for Blue Show Panther. Which podcast are you on yeah, right which, now, yeah, which podcast are you, Which podcast are you here on, my friend? Oh, God. This is like a dog yeah. choosing between or like a parent it, trying not to right. get their baby it, chopped in half by King the Solomon. Dog, it is the dog choosing between the owner that feeds him and loves him we and love the owner you, that, that abandoned him. Are you talking about Cam, my guy at NHL numbers? No, I'm talking about Dave. Dave is the owner that abandoned you. Oh. So you have to choose us. Come at me, Dave. You and your lawn. Hi, Dave. Mike. I like Dave. Yeah, I do too. He's awesome. You know, Dave was a former Blue Shirt Banter writer, so... You know, we're just... Is he up in the rafters? Do we have rafters? We don't have rafters. I'll put up some rafters. You're not going to put up rafters. No rafters in the basement, am I right? (laughs) I'm actually recording in my basement right now. No joke. I have to take care of my child, Mike. What? What's your answer to the question? Okay, you've lost privileges. Tom! (laughs) I think all the defensemen are going to see some some improvement just by having a structure of Quinn and and having... Um, you know the assistants that have come in uh, that should help, and I also think that you could see um, Hayes get some Im- improvement because I-, I think that he'll actually be used in a a role that completely suits him. Anthony Viola, John J. Porter, Alex Gardner, John Reppy, Johnny Alo, Eric Cohn, Alexander Ricard, Daniel DeGen, Matt Bader, 50, Guy from Montana, Stink Fleeman, Keith Franchillo, Mike Offit, Trevor Kempner, Gabriel Vargas, Fancy Lawrence, Dan Carosi, David L. Singer, Andre Chicagoff, Arch David Williams, Bob Kawa, Tall Guy Robert, sorry, it's Bob Kawa, I think I slurred there, Scott Potash, Chris Habibi, that's Mike's friend, James Dangles, Danny Santiago, Grumpy Smokey, Igor Zatlovsky, Thomas Osa, Chris B, and Michael Silvers, thank you all for donating, we appreciate it. All of you, because you're, you're all awesome. going to adjust very well to David Quinn's system. You, yeah, you should come to the forum, and that would be great. Uh, for the rest of you schlups, please, Joe. please, 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 please like us, subscribe to us on iTunes, it's give us five stars, leave a nice comment, and anything else, Mike? Yeah, be good to yourselves. Make sure you be drink good to a yourselves. lot of water. It's getting humid out there. Um, yeah. And so, I know it's the doldrums of summer, but be patient. Don't get all cranky. 
Thank hey, and for real, uh, thank you all for the the show has seen some honestly enormous growths, um, viewership wise. It, it's we're coming up on like an insane milestone and listenership. You mean? Yeah, well, viewership, listenership. Yeah, it's probably more listenership. What are you going to so. feed the baby tonight? I uh, think she's eating already. I think my wife is just ready to kill me. Speaking of, good night, everybody. Au revoir. <laughs> um, Chocolate blue. What? I was trying to throw it to them to say goodbye. But oh, me goodbye. Joe Fortunato Bye. BSB. Goodbye. Thanks for Joe having Fortunato us. Joe Fortunato BSB. Tom, what's it's yours? Terrible work. It's Tom Merch Jr., right? At Tom Merch Jr. Pat, where, which, which Twitter account are you out there with? PDK underscore hockey. Mike, dig deep BSB. I'm Tom Ertz, uh the third. Tom Ertz the fourth. Arrivederci. Tom Ertz the fifth. Uh, the seventh. Mike is a whale. <laughs>